Welcome to the Pirates Worldwide Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Ostwick. In this series we like to call The Coaching Carousel, we will sit down with the Seton Hall coaches and talk to them about previous playing careers, coaching philosophies, and so much more. They offer so much advice to current and future Seton Hall athletes. We're so excited to share it with you all today. Without further ado, Jonathan, who are we talking to today? On this edition of The Coaching Carousel, we got to sit down with head coach of the women's Seton Hall tennis team, Coach James Ensler. Ensler is a passionate pro with 15 years of playing experience and 60 years of coaching experience. As an assistant here at the Hall, he helped lead the team to a 13-9 dual match record with a 5-4 conference record. Take a listen as he talks to how tennis is like a chess match, his experience playing at Midland University, and having a strong mental mindset when it comes to every single match. We are psyched to have Coach Ensler on the show today. So without further ado, Coach James Ensler. So, another episode of the Coaching Carousel here. Today we have on James Ensler from women's tennis here at Seton Hall. So first things first, on another cold morning, how are you doing today? Doing well, thanks for having me on. Yes, it's it's been a, a nice little coaching carousel, as we've called it. So what has the fall season looked like for you and your team this year? What are some of the things you've gotten into uh, this year? Or this yeah, fall? um... You know, tennis is a bit unique in the fact that we kind of have two different seasons, a preseason kind of, if you will. Um, fall is more individual focus. So we're going to tournaments. We're playing at like the Navy invite, the Army invite. Um, and you're kind of putting your girls into these tournaments. Um, and they're playing it out very similar to like you would see in like the U.S. Open. Um, so you're generally speaking, your top two are in like an A bracket playing it as a almost like a March Madness trying to get to the finals Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's much more individual focused and then come spring is when it's more head-to-head team Um, so it's kind of this unique I really like it in the fact that going into the fall especially for freshmen you know freshmen coming in instead of you know it's not like other sports where you know basketball for example could be a freshman's first game it's like okay you got to take the game-winning shot or something Mm -hmm. Um, you know in tennis it's you know going into these tournaments We'll, we'll place you accordingly. And then they kind of kind of get to feel their rhythm and, and see how college tennis is played because it's, you know, at a different level, obviously, than high school yeah, tennis. Sure. Um, so it's kind of nice that they kind of get that leeway. But then you also get to experiment with, you know, doubles, pairings, and things like that and seeing, you know, how players react on court, how they progress in, you know, when they're up, when they're down, or when the match is, is close. So, you know, it's a unique – way that tennis is kind of organized in that sense and and we do have like an individual uh regionals and then nationals tournament if you will um but it's it's kind of more looked at as kind of like a trial run to kind of get things squared away for when you get to spring yeah that's kind of actually really cool just to like kind of get your feet wet yeah in, exactly. in a sense because like you know like kind of same with baseball softball too like you have those fall games where you right. kind of get your feet wet it doesn't really mm-hmm count towards the record yet but like you can see okay what who fits where kind of like you were saying with doubles yeah and i know like with baseball you have to see like all right which which guys are going to play in what position and whatnot i'm curious with tennis like how do you know do you know like right off the bat are these two guys and or these two girls will be in doubles or like that person will be like our first singles how does how do you decide all that process that in early on the fall or that a change as the season goes it changes as the season goes um it's kind of unique doubles is more more flexible in the fact that like I could have a player on my team that's great at the net um, okay. but they struggle with consistency at the baseline Got it. where I have another player that's amazing at the baseline can hit great shots but you know 
doesn't step into balls at the net. So, you know, at doubles, it's a little bit more of, like, finding the right puzzle pieces because you could have two players that are great on paper. Mm. You know, it could be our number one and number two singles players, hypothetically speaking. Um, But they have, you know, not the best hands at net. Different skills. Exactly. So I remember, like, when I came in, you know, years ago, we had uh, a girl on the team that was, like, barely in the lineup for singles but was always either number one or number two doubles because she was always great at stepping in, was really good net kind of dominating at the net. Awesome. Um, so that's where in doubles it's, you know, it's finding those pieces that not only do they fit well uh, together as far as their, their play, but also their attitude. You know, if you have a player that likes to be very mentally focused, mentally serious, and you've got another one that, you know, the way that they like to stay calm is by, you know, cracking jokes and things like that. Those two things sometimes either pair great, and sometimes they don't pair <laughs> at all at all well. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's nothing like against the girls. It's just kind of no. you know finding those personalities that mesh well over the course of the season. Sure, it's like it's like a totally different game being playing with the whole other, the whole other person versus just by yourself. And yeah, that. and and that's where you know tennis is is unique because for so much, you know, these girls in high school and and. Um, early on before they get to college it's really singles focused there's right. not a whole lot of doubles so yeah. you know this isn't a sport and you know swim is probably yeah. very similar to you know there's not a lot of team atmosphere um so getting into doubles you know you see sometimes it's like okay they haven't played a whole lot of doubles and they don't have that team atmosphere um or you know that communication that it's like you know in baseball or in football or in basketball it's just kind of like natural yeah um to have so you know not that they are bad at it but it's just something that's you know it's not it doesn't come as natural or they haven't been doing it for as long mm-hmm. um so you know that plays into it as well interesting, interesting. yeah that, that is for sure so what are some of the things that you're looking up uh, looking forward to excuse me this upcoming spring obviously a busier spring than your fall schedule so what, what are some of the things you're looking forward to yeah you know i think uh the way that our lineup has been set you know we've got a couple we've got four new players that joined our team this year um you know and last year we didn't have any new players it was kind of the same mm-hmm. team the, you know the last two years um so kind of seeing how everyone kind of plays out seeing how you know um the freshmen are you know step into their roles um in the lineup and then also you know you know kind of going back to that doubles is seeing how the pairings are you know the pairings mm-hmm. were pretty set for quite a while the last two years and and i did mix it up a little bit you know coming in last year um but seeing you know these new players come in and create those new doubles pairings um Mm. excited to see kind of how those all play out and then also see you know how these we've got oh geez three three well three seniors um unfortunately one of them had tore her acl in the fall which was was a bummer um you know that was that was kind of a hit which was was really unfortunate um but then having seeing the other two seniors you know play out their final year is something that's always exciting to kind of play out as well of course is there is there any like one tournament looking forward to in the spring at all um so in the spring there's not so many tournaments it's more just the head-to-heads yeah the head-to-heads any any head-to-head match you're looking forward to um i would say i think Providence, just because that was one I think last year we were looking forward to, sure. um, and I think the girls knew that 
you know, collectively, we all didn't play our best game mm-hmm. um, and was one that kind of slipped away from us. And I think going into that one, you know, we're excited to, to, to play in that one. Yeah. Um, and then always going down um, and playing. We play three matches in Florida really in March nice. during our spring break. Love so that. we usually play one of the Big East teams that's more Midwest. So, like, last year we played Butler. This year mm-hmm. we're going down and playing Creighton. Yeah. Um, you know, the coaching staff at Creighton is phenomenal, you know, great great team there mm-hmm. um they made it very far uh i think they made it to the big east championship oh, wow. game last year um so yeah it's going to be a great experience playing them down there as well and nice. much much better weather than i was we'll, just, we'll I was just <laughs> gonna say I'm like right, well, we're not gonna go to omaha we're not gonna go out there but yeah. well, you guys are coming out of florida we'll be there yeah <laughs> and it's that one's always a nice one because creighton's kind of that one team that in the big east is kind of by themselves right. it's like you know yeah. butler you can kind of mix with xavier sure. on a trip where marquette and depaul you can kind of mix um, so it's great to be able to go play Creighton where, you you know, usually in tennis, I don't know if it's the same with – I don't believe it's the same with swim, yeah, but no. or I don't know about baseball, um, but we don't have to play every team in the Big East. Okay. So, like, this year we will not play um, Xavier and Butler. Last year was Creighton and Xavier. Okay. So, like, you know, I really wanted to get Creighton on the schedule this mm-hmm. year, you know, great very enjoyable coaching staff to you know talk with coach against um and then you know next year is is filling those holes and playing xavier and butler um the following year got it mm-hmm. got it cool nice so cool. let's go back before your coaching career talk to you about your playing talk to us about your playing career you played you graduated from midland in 2016 and you got to play some uh tennis out there so talk to us about your playing career yeah so um my playing career as far as tennis was, I would say, a bit unorthodox. Um, you know, going back a little even further, I was born in California, mm-hmm. grew up there, was actually huge into baseball. Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was a uh, catcher and first baseman, loved it. Um, and then we moved to Montana when I was about 11 or uh, about 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and baseball in Montana was not taken quite as serious. And... <laughs> You know, baseball is not the fastest sport in the world, so standing at first base when nobody's getting hits is is brutal. It's cold. <laughs> I was, you know, freezing my you-know-what off. Yep. Um, so, you know, and, you know, that's where it, it was great. I, I kind of just lost my love for baseball during that time, mm-hmm. you know, which was unfortunate. I, I had some of the players I played on my little team or playing MLB now, which, you know, is seeing wow. that and I'm like, wow. oh, well, could have, would have, should have, but, <laughs> you know, props to them. Um, I've been meaning, I don't know if you know, like Connor Brogdon plays for the okay. Phillies. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a pitcher there. Uh, been wanting to like go out and watch him for a while now that I've been on the East Coast. Uh, but no, so I moved to Montana, um, kind of fell out of love with baseball and then tennis just kind of on a whim. I kind of was in and out of playing um, it was the one sport that I couldn't beat my mom at. It was it was the one that she was like, and she's extremely competitive like myself. Mm-hmm. So it was every weekend I was like, you know, this is the weekend I'm going to beat her. Um, and it just kind of started like that. And then very fortunately, uh, or very fortunate for me, um, my neighbor ended up being a kid that was in my grade as well. Mm-hmm. We both were kind of in the same. He was trying to beat his dad. Like his dad had some <laughs> tennis rackets. They both weren't great, but like we were still, you know, young, couldn't beat him. Um so we started playing, and then him and I would just go out, like, every single day. Mm. Started playing the high school tennis there, um, you know, and then ended up going to Midland University. Um, it was funny because, you know, playing in Montana, 
I was getting all the accolades as far as making it deep into like states and things like that. And, you know, I'm looking around, I'm like, I don't know why these big schools aren't noticing me. And then, you know, I quickly realized that playing the farmers out in Montana doesn't quite equivalent to uh, playing, you know, the the top end players in California, Texas, Mm -hmm. Florida. Uh, But nonetheless, got a scholarship to go play out in Nebraska. Um, And yeah, really enjoyed my time there. It was NAIA, so small ball, um, Mm -hmm. you know, had the athletic scholarship, but not quite to the extent and to the luxury of, you know, what you guys have here at Seton Hall, (laughs) which is, you know, fantastic. Um, But yeah, so played there for four years um, and then kind of moved out here a year after graduating. Mm -hmm. So how did you, how are you using your playing career now uh, in your coaching career? Like what advice are you giving to the girls here? Like, Mm -hmm. like learning what you used as a player now as a coach? Um, you know, what I think was very beneficial, you know, I looked at kind of touching on it again, like going to Montana, uh, Nebraska and playing college tennis was very humbling in the fact that, you know, being in Montana, I didn't learn to quite the high quality that these other, you know, South states did, (laughs) um, in the, in these, in the sport. So I very quickly, I didn't have the cleanest strokes. I was never the cleanest player. I mean, even now, if you go out and watch me play, it's like, does this guy really know how to play tennis? Um, And my girls can probably vouch for that at times. Um, But, you know, that's what I ended up being so thankful for was in order for me to succeed at the college level, I was not going to beat players by my the quality of my strokes or the quality of my swings and the you know the level of my ability mm-hmm. uh my the level of play i was going to have to beat them by just outsmarting them mm-hmm. um and i think that's what you know was very fortunate for me was you know tennis is it's essentially like an athletic chess match mm-hmm. where you know yes you know your athletic ability comes into play mm-hmm. but there's where you're putting the ball or what you're doing between games and, and all this, it, it's really just, like I said, it's an, it's an athletic chess match. Um, and that's what I became very good at um, early on and mm-hmm. kind of became my my niche was like, okay, I'm not going to be the better player, but I'm going to be the smarter player. Um, and so, you know, coming to coming into coaching, I think that's what I've kind of tried to instill constantly is – you know, even if you're not the best player on the court, there, there's no there's no better feeling than when you win a match and, you know, it doesn't look like you should have won. Mm-hmm. Like those are the, the those are the best matches, in my opinion, is going out there. And it's like, you know, on paper or, you know, by the by the stats that you have, by your rating um, or, or looking at the quality of the strokes, it's like, oh, this player is going to this player is going to beat you. Um, okay. But making them play their worst version of tennis and, you know, the amount of times I'd have opponents come up and shake my hand afterwards and they're like, oh, man, like, you know, next time I'll, I'll get you. I just played a really bad game today. I was like, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of what I, I was planning. Like, if you, if you play your good game, I know I don't have a shot. Um, so, you know, going into coaching, I think that's where, you know, as you move up the ladder from high school to college to, you know, I'm sure the pros, the, the margin of talent gets smaller and smaller. And so that ability that mindset that you have um is really what differentiates oftentimes kind of the winning and losing um so that's really kind of where i think the the mental part of the game is something i focus on so heavily with the girls mm-hmm. um because 
like I said, it's it's more of a chess match than arguably any other sport mm-hmm. out there, really. Yeah, I'm all, I don't know to any extent of knowledge of tennis that you do on <laughs> any tennis drills, but I was listening to, I think it was a podcast a while back that talked about like a, a mental coach who worked with a lot of tennis players. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to him uh, to explain like how, sure, like you have, you just said like you have athletic ability and all that, but it's really like the strategy behind tennis, like hitting certain shots in certain places and all these different things. And I might be talking like out of my, you know what now, <laughs> but it was, he really emphasized the mental part of the game and I was curious to see, like, when you're talking with the girls, like, what mental strategy you implement for them to help them to be as confident as they can going into the match, even if they have made their match up against someone, as you said, that might be better than them in terms of, like, strokes and whatnot. Yeah. But how do you, how do you help them approach the match? Like, okay, I, I got this guy. I know my mental game's really good. Yeah. You know, I think the one thing that we really work on, uh, that we've really worked on late, is, you know, first going into a match um, is – you know, something that we struggled with a bit and when I took over last year was we were always trying to play the game so that we beat the opponent, which can work, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. um, but it's also much easier and much less frustrating to make them just lose to you. And what I mean by that is instead of you playing your best game, right. make them play their worst game. Um, and so, you know, when I came in, we had players and, you know, we're still working on it where we go for these incredible shots. And when they go in, it's fantastic. Right. But, you know, the percentage is it's very, very low to get that shot in where, yeah. you know, I tell the girls all the time. It's like, OK, make them prove that they can beat you first. Mm-hmm. And then once they do that, then we'll improve the quality of your shot. Mm. Don't go for 100 percent, you know, play 70. And if, you know, hitting a ball, a consistent rally at 70, they're able to create winners. Then we got to bump it up. Then we got to bump it up. Then we got to bump it up. And at least then you can kind of gain a rhythm to, okay, you know, my shot's working. I'm going to try to pump it up instead of, all right, match is starting. Boom, I'm going to go 100%. And, you know, and what quickly I see is, you know, when you start right at 100%, you know, you go for those shots that are too big. You're not warmed up yet. And then you miss this shot that you know you can make. Mm. But then going into that mental game again, you just get frustrated that you're not hitting it. And then, you know, it's just kind of those – pieces are kind of crumbling around you and right. then you're second guessing every shot you have so instead of kind of a build-up you're, you're kind of in this tear down phase mm-hmm. um so that's something that you know i talk a lot with the girls it's like okay prove that they can beat you right and once they can prove that we'll go a little bit bigger and yeah. then a little bit bigger mm-hmm. instead of just going you know to the wall yeah, full board. <laughs> yep. yeah no it makes total sense and there's I didn't really understand at first how much strategy there really is that goes into tennis. And obviously for every sport, there's a lot of strategy. Mm-hmm. And uh, and like we had the baseball coaches and we had the golf coach on yesterday, like a, those two sports in particular are really big mental games, but tennis is also a huge mental game, as mm-hmm. is all the sports. I feel like those three in particular are huge mm-hmm. strategy, mental game sports. So yeah. it's really interesting to learn all the ins and outs of the mental side. Yeah, absolutely. Just trying to outsmart the opponent, per yeah. se, uh, in every match. So. Talk to us about how you got into your coaching career, especially here at Seton Hall. Mr. Felt, we talked to him uh, a couple weeks back now, and, and he told us a little bit of a story about how you got hired here. So if you want to divulge into how, how that hiring yeah, process was, looks I was, I was listening to him a bit. I, I, I was doing my homework and listening to your guys' podcast <laughs> listening to that one. Like and that. Uh, uh, I got to say, I was like, man, he's taking like literally every answer that you know I wanted to take for certain, <laughs> for certain questions. I was like, oh, man, this is rough. Um, but yeah, no. So 
getting into coaching, um, I actually got my degree in elementary ed. So mm-hmm. I was a first grade teacher. Um, but then, of course, had that I got a minor in coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I, I did a f- one year of teaching and then, you know, just kind of came on to me. I was like, you know, before I'm married, have a house, have kids, I was like, I want to try to fully tackle coaching and see if I can teach tennis full time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked on indeed.com. Um, you know, they can sponsor this if yeah. they need to. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I was looking at their website, found a couple coaching opportunities. Um, and there was like a coaching opportunity in Jersey. Uh, so moved out here, sight unseen, uh, moved into Newark um, and got a, got a place there and worked for this coaching rec company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started doing that for a while and then, you know, and this is where Brian was spot on the nose was, you know, it's all about the relationships, um, you know, and then going that extra mile really is I was like, okay, I want to get into the coaching a- as quickly as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so I sent an email to no joke, every single college tennis program in New Jersey. I was like, wow. I, I just want to come. Wow. I want to volunteer. I don't expect to get paid. I just want to learn under you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got through the whole list. I was, you know, being NAIA, I was like, okay, I'm going to email the D3s, D2s, if mm-hmm. there's any in the area. Um, I was like, I'm not even going to bother with the D1s. Like, that's that's so above my pay grade. Yeah. Um, and I got done, and I was like, I'm just going to send one email to Seton Hall because I was like five, ten minutes away from there. I was like, it'd be convenient. It'd be so great. Um, like, a week goes by. Seton Hall was the only one that emailed me back. Wow. No like, way. yeah, it wasn't, you know, I emailed all the smaller ones. Um, you know, I'm just going to assume they were busy and they, they missed my email <laughs> or went to, went to junk. No, they thought you were too big. Actually. Yeah. That, that's that's, <laughs> that's what happened. it was. Yes, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, so it was two coaches prior. Her name was Riza and she was like, yeah, you know, I would, I'm actually looking for a volunteer assistant to come join the program. Uh, why don't we go out and hit, you know, and I'll see if you'd be a good fit with the girls. Um, so I went out, hit with her. And we clicked. She was like, yeah, I think I think the girls would, you know, benefit from you having you on the team. Awesome. And so, you know, got my assistant coaching through there. You know, she stepped away from the program. Kevin came in, reached out to Kevin, like, right away. I was like, hey, you know, I was helping the previous coach. Can I continue to work under you? Mm-hmm. So I did that as well. And it was such a, such a blessing to do so because they were two totally different coaches. They completely different uh, contrasting like coaching styles, uh, you know, the way that they were, their demeanor on court was completely different. The way they talked with the girls was completely different. Um, so, you know, being able to see what worked with both sides, seeing what could improve on both sides was, was just a complete honor and privilege. And then, you know, Brian, uh, Brian, Kevin, the previous coach stepped away or actually, so in 2020, I, in the meantime, on the side went from rec coaching to coaching at an indoor club Mm -hmm. um and so i was doing that and eventually my clientele there just got so large that i I went to kevin and i was like you know listen i love this this is my dream but i I can't keep and at that time i had kind of moved closer to the club in like new providence summit area and i was like i can't keep driving here uh for volunteer work um i was like but you know i'd love to stay in touch like let's keep i want to stay close if by any chance you, you step away and you think I'm a good fit, like, mm-hmm. let, let's chat. So we'd get dinner once every three or four months, you know, just catch up on how the team was. I went to a match here and there. And then, yeah, come this last December of 2022, he's like, hey, let's let's get dinner near me. I was like, all right. So we went and got dinner, and he was like, so um, 
I'm thinking about stepping down and, you know, if, if you're still up for it, um, you know, I can offer, I can tell Brian Felt, um, you know, that you're interested and, and go from there. And, you know, I guess the rest is history. So, you know, obviously he said some, some decent words. And uh, so, yeah, here we are. Yeah, he, he told Mr. Felt told us the funny story too that you interviewed in a Starbucks or something like that near <laughs> his house, which were like, wow, that's something. <laughs> so that was kind of a funny little tidbit to that. So, tell us about the program here now here at Seton Hall. So, uh, talk to us what like a, a week looks like here playing women's tennis here at Seton Hall. Uh, yeah, you know it's a bit unique again in the fact that you know being up north, the indoor the the spring season is really mostly indoor. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the fall, it's much more – we kind of have a combination of how we have our practices. In the fall, it's much more small individual uh, kind of small group practice. Mm-hmm. We've got like three or four girls that will come in the morning, three or four that will come in the afternoon, um, and we do more of a small team style. And then come spring where we use our indoor facility, um, obviously since we're using kind of the indoor courts at the club nearby, mm-hmm. we've got to go with the timing that they have. Um, so it's almost all full team. Um, in the fall, it's more of a, you know, working on our shots, you know, more of the physical part of the game, mm-hmm. um, you know, assessing the freshmen coming in, seeing what weaknesses they have, what strengths they have, what we need to play around. And then come spring, you know, it becomes very fast paced, you know, very similar to baseball where you're just game after game, essentially. Right. <laughs> um, you know, there's not a whole lot of time to, you know, work on, you know, completely change a forehand swing or change a serve it's more of really diving into the mental game it's like okay these are the tools that you have to work with Mm -hmm. um and and this is why i say to the girls all the time it's you know not so much trying to create as big of a toolbox as you can it's like we've got you've got this forehand slice or this kick serve or things of that nature okay how do we utilize all of those instead of overly focusing on just one tool it's okay when do we use this tool at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more of just a, a shot and decision-making process. And then as well as with, you know, matches every single weekend, um, it's adjusting the game plan or, you know, playing around with doubles, tweaking what we needed to be tweaked. You know, we missed a few shot opportunities or point opportunities in this match, you know, the week prior. So, you know, changing things, accordingly mm-hmm. for the, the next matches because our matches are every single friday saturday so it makes it nice yeah. especially with seton hall um you know having that essentially what most of the students have here is, is you're aware uh, aware is that four three kind of school week where you guys have classes yep. monday through thursday right. don't have classes friday saturday sunday um we're very blessed in the fact that I, I think we might be one of the only sports where it's we miss almost no school time. Yeah. So it makes it, you know, extremely, you know, as easy as possible, as easy as a student athlete experience yeah. can be in balancing the academics and athletics where sure. we're not missing any of that school time mm-hmm. because it's we've got our classes Monday through Thursday and then matches Friday, Saturday off Sunday. So it's a very nice schedule to have. Um, con- you know, compared to swim and I'm sure baseball where (laughs) it's like, Hey, Wednesday, we're gone. And Tuesday, Wednesday, the next week we're gone and trying to balance all those things. Yeah. Well, God bless our academic advisor, Matt Geibel. Oh my God. Matt's a a hero. We have him for tennis too. And he's, I'm so so blessed that we have him. That's for sure. He definitely appreciates your schedule probably a lot more than ours <laughs> in a lot of ways. So shout out to Matt there. 
I want to ask a, a follow-up question. You, you were talking about um, making like some just minor adjustments that you can't like do too too much in terms of like mechanical speaking. Mm-hmm. Do you guys look at film at all? Like when you're going to like different like of yourselves, other teams? Like is there any is there any film involved? Tennis is tough in the fact that it's not a sport that's you know, um, put on video. It's okay. not like you know volleyball or uh, I'm sure baseball. Probably yeah. you guys record your guys' right. games and you can see everyone. I know it's been more popular in a lot of sports. I was yeah. Yeah. yeah, in, in tennis. We're, we're going to be implementing it this year where nice. we're bringing some cameras and we're going to be recording matches. Cool. Um, yeah. But it's still a trickier aspect because it's not like in baseball. I'm just assuming you can kind of set it in the back and it watches everyone. Sure. Mm-hmm. Where in tennis, it's like, okay, I've got to put one on court one and uh, court two and yeah, court three. Yeah, you can't right. watch you know all right. three at the same time. So we're going to be implementing it. Um, it's something in tennis, more or less, you're able to use – as a self-help tool for yourself. Got it. There's not a lot of scouting like there is in a volleyball or a basketball mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, this player's tendency, um, you know, they tend to do this. So that's something where with tennis, we kind of have a makeshift way that we do it as best as we can where after the match, I send the girls a list of five or six questions, one being, you know, what was the your – uh, opponent's name and what was their style of play, what worked and did not work against them. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of bring that and put it in a large Excel sheet and we're able to use that the following year for if we play Excel. said player. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really the extent of it. You're not able to, you know, if we have a video from prior, yeah. we're able to look at that previous player, but there's not as much of that that goes into tennis as other sports, which, which, which is tough. Yeah, yeah. no, it's interesting to understand that, but it's cool. It's probably even better to get a feel from that from the play, your player that's playing the other girl mm-hmm. because you can probably watch something on the surface, look back, but it's not going to be the person that's actually in it. Mm-hmm. Like actually seeing, okay, like they, it might look like this on tape, but actually, like, no, I felt that they were doing this and whatnot. So it's actually probably a better way of doing it the way you're doing it, having like the whole written down, like, yeah, I, I saw that this, 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 my like, all right, cool. Like you, you were playing them, you clearly know that, and then we go on, move on from there. Yeah. So. And again, it's tricky too because even if you had, video of the player let's say you go into next year the player that played i don't know let's just say someone from villanova sure you've got you know video from of of your girl playing a girl from villanova your player could have been a heavy hitter that hit the ball deep and created shots with this villanova girl and she reacted in this way but next year the girl that you have play is a heavy serve but she does all slice shots or she's more of a consistent player She's probably not going to create the same looks with mm-hmm. that Villanova girl. Right. You know, she's she's playing her chess game, going back to that analogy. She's playing her chess game completely different. So even if you have information on her, she might not play that way at all because the, the player that you're playing against said Villanova girl plays a different style. Right. So it's it's very tough to create those, those matchups um, and, you know, utilize that information because sometimes it could – completely go out the window where in you know basketball or volleyball this player almost always has this tendency because this setter is setting her up this way Mm -hmm. or you know in basketball they're playing said play that gets this player to move off to the right side or start you know have say you um so yeah in tennis it's it's tough it's tough to there's a lot of ins and outs of it then it's it makes the scouting part of it 
difficult, yeah. we'll say. Learning about the intricacies of coaching for tennis. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. For sure. It's a whole different aspect it's, that I had no idea. So it's, that's really cool to learn about. It d- definitely sounds very tricky. Yeah. definitely sounds very tricky. So what are some of the things that you look for in recruits that you want to come here to Seton Hall? Um, I think, you know, I'm going to beat it to a pulp here, but um, really it's that mindset. Um, there's so many different ways to play the game of tennis. You know, like I said, if someone was to watch my recruiting film, which actually my my dad dug up and sent to me like two weeks ago, and I nearly <laughs> threw up. I was like, oh, this player doesn't even look like they know how to play tennis. Um, but there's so many different ways to be successful in tennis. But what you see from all the greatest players is a great mindset on the court. So that's something that's been a huge focus for me is going to these tournaments. And when I do my recruiting is, you know, okay, how do you perform when you're up 6-0, 5-0, and you're crushing the girl that you're playing? Mm-hmm. How do you react, and how is your body language when you're down 0-6, 0-5? What is your body language like and what's your decision-making like when you're in a close tiebreaker in the third set and, you know, it's coming down to the absolute wire? Mm-hmm. Those are the things that really differentiate wh- where a player, you know, how a player is going to be successful and how much I believe I'm going to be able to coach them to success. Um, that's something that, you know, I really look at. It's not so much their shot quality. It's kind of how they handle the device their diversity within a point Mm -hmm. um and also you know what's really important for tennis is their especially in northeast tennis is getting the players that have a really strong work ethic Mm -hmm. um being in the northeast we don't have the ability to play outdoors all year round right it's and you know for the longest time i thought it was a negative it's like oh we don't have the same opportunities as these these teams in Texas and teams mm-hmm. in, you know, Kentucky, Florida. But over the last six months, I would say, I looked at it more as, and it truly is, the opportunity to get so much better than every other team in this area mm-hmm. because it requires a further drive and discipline to do so. And what I mean by that is if you're in the South, you can go out and play whenever, and, and everyone is really. Yeah. Whereas up here – We've got to use our indoor courts during the springtime, which makes it, you know, a little bit more difficult. Mm-hmm. But when we have those players that want to go that extra mile and want to go get a morning practice in and mm-hmm. get an optional hitting in at the club, there's very few teams that are, you know, very few players that are going above and beyond that. Yeah. So when we Sorry. do that, you know, we have that confidence of we're getting more hitting in than the other teams around this area. Mm-hmm. Which So that's something that's... I really look for going back to that is is players that genuinely have that love of it. And in tennis, I don't know how much you know this as common this is in swimming and baseball, um, but in tennis, there's a lot of players that have been playing since the age of five and six, yep. um, and some where you can tell the parents have been pushing it for way <laughs> too long, and they just don't have that love for it anymore. They're amazing players, mm-hmm. but when they're on the court, it looks more like a chore than a joy. Um, and so that's something that, you know, bringing in players that not only obviously have the skill set, mm-hmm. but have the right mentality, have a genuine love for the sport. And then, you know, most importantly is 
are just genuinely good people. I mean, this is something that a, a senior on our team, it stuck out to me. Um, like our first two weeks of pra- practice, our senior Emily um, came up to me and she was like, James, like these freshmen or these players that you brought on, like they're so genuinely nice. And I was like, mm. yeah, that's that's kind of the plan. <laughs> like I didn't want to bring in these players that ruined this, this team chemistry that you guys have. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes sports so much easier. It makes practice so much easier when you genuinely like yeah. as many of the players as possible, you know. For us, very fortunately, I, I genuinely think it's all the girls on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have this bond and this friendship um, to where it's they're going out and they're actually playing with their friends right. instead of, um, you know, not doing my due diligence and getting players that might be great but they have this terrible attitude mm. and can create a poison within the team. Right. Um, so, yeah, she told me that. I was like, okay, I, I succeeded in what I needed to do this year. Yeah, <laughs> and I want to continue doing that, you know, years moving forward. Mm, yeah. No, it, it creates a great environment, and it makes it easier for you probably to coach. Oh, 100%. When, when everyone's, like, yeah. on the same page, loving playing with one another, versus, like, if someone is, I don't want to say, someone's, like, a cancer to the team, yeah. then mm-hmm. it creates a bad environment, and then, it, like, pe- people don't want to do the extra work because, like, they're not with their friends and they're having a good time playing. So exactly. that's awesome. The environment is so, so good. Oh, really 100%. Cool. If you've got, you know, if you've got an episode of Mean Girls or something happening every single <laughs> every single practice, it makes practice way less enjoyable, whereas yeah. – you know, the, the, the nine girls that we have on the team this year are, are just so well-connected, such nice. great friends mm-hmm. um, that as soon as they step on the court, you know, they, they're, they you know, talking about their day, talking about all this, and can yeah. have genuine conversation um, that just makes practice so much easier. This is this is more of like an off-topic question, but when – I think you hinted at before, like some players more like mentally locked in mm-hmm. where some players like to like just chat it up and whatnot. When they're going about a tennis match – is it just like taught? You're, are you always like locked and talking about like the match? Talking about I want to hit this point there. Or some players like back up like ah like a like I don't want to say more like relaxed in a sense, but they can talk about other things and it helps them bring back their focus. Does that makes sense. At yeah, all? yeah, yeah. I, I think so. And you can direct me if sure, if, right, if, right. if I'm, if I'm answering it wrong. Question, no, so. um, it, it is unique. So tennis is unique in yes, we can we can talk to them between points, but a majority of the talking happens during changeovers. So it's like got it essentially kind of between innings, if you will. Okay. Um, And so it's been very unique in – and it's been an awesome privilege to see just different players want to talk about different things. We have some players on the team, they're like, don't tell me I'm doing well. Don't say great shot. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And they just want the X's and O's. And I appreciate that. And then there's other players that are like, don't get me all frazzled with – you know, what I need to do, just say that I'm doing it great. So it. It, it's kind of finding what players and, and you know, how to talk to each player. Got it. Some of them want that mindset. I'm sure it's, you know, similar in, in every sport. Yeah. Um, is finding, okay, what am I going to say that, that's going to help you? Do you want the, the X's and O's? And, you know, do we want to create that game plan and talk about, you know, what piece in this chess match do we need to play next? Or do you want me to sit there and go, you're playing chess great? Great. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and yeah. And really, you know, some some of our players, that's all they need. It's like, okay. And, and you can see that confidence continue to play out through their game. Yeah. Where, you know, and I had a few mistakes early on where I'd be like, all you got to do is hit this and then hit this. Yeah. And and we've got it. And you could see they're on court and it's like the, the steam is coming out of their ears. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, scratch that. You're playing great. Yeah. And just can, letting that continue. So it's finding that healthy balance of what to do there. Sure, it's different for everyone. Yeah. Like, so some players just want to hear, like, 
doing good, keep going, and mm-hmm. then I just that plays gets them all going. But ev- we were learning this yesterday. Like every player, and not, this is for all sports. Like every player is slightly different. So it's like it's a tough job, but like a important job like for a coach, like to accommodate for each player. Mm-hmm. And that's like like something that like I like I look up to in a lot of coaches that we have yeah. like, so many good coaches here. That they all like, kind of do that. It's all individual each player. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. cool like to to learn it how it is in different sports. Yeah, yeah there's cool. so, there's so many small nuances. That yeah, you got you got to make sure to. Play to the, play to their strength. Absolutely. Right, awesome. of course. So as we start to wrap up here, we're gonna enter our last two segments here. Cool. First things first, we have advice to a pirate. So, what advice would you give to student athletes that are seemingly doing everything right at practice, but are not seeing those results in, uh, on the field or on a court during game time? Um, I would say don't be afraid to go backwards. Um, I think that's something that, you know, when you've got this shot that's that's not working well. And, you know, we're beating our head against a wall trying to trying to make it work. Um, it's like, don't be afraid to go back to if someone needs to feed you a ball so that you need mm-hmm. to hit and, play, and doing it slow and building your way back up to what it needs to, to do. Um, you know, that's that's something that can be just as equally important. There's a great coach. Um, his name is Patrick Montaglou. Um, he talks about so much. Don't so much practice your weaknesses, but practice your strength. Because if you practice your weaknesses all the time, you're going to leave thinking, I have still so much I need to work on. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you do a majority of practicing your strengths, your strength will continue to get strong, and you're going to leave that practice you know, with a with a happier mindset. Right. And I heard that. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so smart to do. So um, it's something that I've tried to implement as best I can where it's, all right, you know, you've got this shot that you want to work on. That's fine. We'll definitely work on that. But let's also make sure our strength is as strong of a strength as possible. Right. Um, because if you leave the court with the mindset of today was another bad day, yeah. and you're going to have those. Like, you're going to have those in every sport. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, uh, I heard from another coach one time, like, kind of the 30-30 rule, which is, or 30-30-30 rule, which is 30% of the time you're going to have a terrible day. 30% of the time you're going to have, it's going to be okay. And 30% of the time, it's going to be good. And the other 10%, you're playing amazing. Um, <laughs> but that doesn't happen all too often. So, you know, if, if it starts skewing a certain direction, especially, you know, having the bad days, mm-hmm. you've really got to look at, okay, you know, in my opinion, take a step back. How do we just get it to at least neutral? Is, right. is get ourselves back into that neutral mindset so that we don't have 50% of the time us leaving practice with, I'm, I'm, I'm backpedaling. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's kind of the big thing is don't be afraid to go backwards for a little bit. Yeah, amazing. So <clears throat> we're going to enter our last segment here called Walk the Plank, and these are quicker-paced questions, but if you have a little bit of an explanation, definitely feel free to explain. So when you were playing in college, where was your favorite place to play? Oh, gosh. Um, that's a tough question. Um not answer these quick at all (laughs) (laughs) i gotta think this one through here um i would say we had the opportunity to play honestly i'm blanking who our opponent was but we played being again naia small ball tennis Mm -hmm. um we were able to play a neutral site match at university of nebraska Uh, so playing at their courts and seeing their facilities um you know now coming to seton hall i was like oh this is just how D1 facilities are. It wasn't <laughs> anything special as far as the D1, um, but, you know, but coming from the NAIA where our team did not have their own locker rooms, we mm-hmm. got very limited gear, you know, um, 
it, it was seen. It was like, wow, these courts are amazing. They're in great shape. They have so many courts. Um, and seeing, you know, the pictures of the players and the history of it uh, was something that yeah. in, in NAIA ball, it was, we were very unfamiliar with. <laughs> so this is kind of a follow-up to that. Do you have, What was your favorite match while playing? you have one that you can pinpoint? Um, yeah, I would say we played, you know, to this day, I always forget which one it was because we went and played my senior year um we went and played a d2 and a two d2 schools my senior year in colorado i want to say it was colorado college but i could be mistaken Mm -hmm. or university of colorado boulder I, i can't remember the name of it um but again going into it the typical is like oh we're small ball this is d2 this is a step up and it was the only D2 we played. We beat them in, like, a tight tiebreaker mm-hmm. um, in, our, in our doubles match. And looking at that, I was like, okay, like, I'm not some Joe Schmo from Montana. <laughs> like, we, we've, we've gotten a couple wins yeah. here. Um, so that was definitely one. And I got it with another senior that was on the team. He was my doubles partner through most of my college career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so getting that win with him was, was special, yeah, for sure. that's for sure. So this is a, a slightly different question off of tennis, but pickleball. What are your feelings of pickleball? Because we looked up, we're looking you up on uh, a different Google and YouTube. We saw some pickleball highlights. Oh no! So give me the breakdown of a pickleball uh, highlight on of there? this play right here. Well, you tell, tell me about pickleball oh, first. Oh, top ten. Yes. <laughs> well, tell me about pickleball first. Yeah. So pickleball. Oh man, there's gonna be some people that hate me for this. Um, <laughs> pickleball is like a smaller version of. Te- it's kind of like the in between of ping pong and tennis. Right. It is. I actually got into it. Gosh, probably three years. I don't know if it was during COVID or maybe a year after. I went out to see my parents. Uh, they lived in Maui at the time. Ooh, and wow. my mom was like, hey, let's uh, come play this pickleball sport. I was like, <laughs> this is okay. We'll try it. And so I played it and, and fell in love with it. And I think partly the reason I fell in love with it at the time was I was teaching tennis for so long at, at the club and for so many hours that it was a sport that – I was already good at when I picked it up, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like I was working anymore. Um, and so, yeah, got into pickleball, played it pretty heavily. It was kind of like my escape away from tennis when, yeah. when tennis was a lot um, at the club. And then, yeah, just kind of got into it, started playing some tournaments, would travel around. It's it's definitely you, – you talk to anyone in the tennis community, and it is, it is a highly – debated topic i mean some people are they they hate it and oh, wow, they're like yeah they're taking our tennis courts and they are it's <laughs> it, and i don't and you know and then there's the other half it's like oh it's not half bad um i'm definitely an advocate of it i think right. it's tennis is a very hard i mean i would say tennis and probably golf are two sports that you don't just pick up like yeah. it's not yeah. a sport that you just go in and it's like oh hey i can yeah. kind of play this right um where pickleball Within 10 minutes, Got you can it. kind of play yeah, the sport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's where I think kind of it's boomed is it's a much level lower level of entry to get into the sport. Sure. So, you know, the, these pickleball courts are starting to, like, take over tennis courts. They're converting them to you know, pickleball courts. And so you'll hear people go, oh, they're converting the tennis courts that nobody was playing on in the first place. <laughs> so, you know, I understand it's kind of this imposter tennis. I, I get it. Yeah. Um, but it's also – you know, I look at it more in a positive spin where especially players, and this is where it kind of started, was players that were older, you know, 60s and 70s, mm-hmm. aren't able to move around a tennis court anymore, are able to still play this really 
challenging, exciting game sure. of pickleball mm-hmm. and, and, and kind of feel young again, yeah. in essence. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's great. Now to the good stuff. Oh, boy. <laughs> What's the what's the breakdown of this play right here? Uh, so this is <laughs> this is uh, her name is Lauren. She's my mixed doubles partner, um, and then the two guys are some buddies of mine. Uh, the guy in the white is actually uh, his name's Anthony. He's the wrestling coach at Stevens in Hoboken. Oh wow! Yeah, so he's uh, my men's partner. When I when I play some pickleball tournaments, we play uh, some pickleball tournaments often. So yeah, it's him and I connected right away. Of we both had our own sports. Granted, mine relates to pickleball his doesn't at all but yeah so he and he's even more into pickleball than i am i mean he knows all what the pros are doing and all that i'm like that's, that's I, I don't even know that it's that commentary miss too yeah no this is oh wow i haven't watched this in a while <laughs> and uh-oh we're back <laughs> look talk about the, the form of the stroke there, yeah, right from tennis, right yeah there. exactly i mean there's definitely some that's great um i'm so glad you found that um partly um yeah it's it's definitely there's some aspects of tennis there's there's other racket sports you know people will say like racquetball is a terrible sport to to play if you're trying to also play tennis because in racquetball you're trying to hit a ball down essentially closest to the floor as you can to have that ball double bounce um pickleball is much more kind of goes seamlessly with tennis right uh, the one thing as you get kind of to a higher level of tennis is the grip that you usually use. Generally speaking, you use like a continental grip. I know to no one that plays tennis, they're like, this is just, this doesn't make any sense. Um, but the grip is kind of different in pickleball. And then plus in pickleball, you can't step into the kitchen when you hit a volley. Um, where in tennis, you're actually like as much as you can, you want to step into your volleys. So that's like the one thing that's, that it's, not quite the same um and you actually see there's some there's some big pro tennis players jack sock for example uh is a u.s tennis player that just retired and he's actually getting into the pickleball world um and going into singles he'll probably be top 20 almost instantly just because he's a freak athlete um but like the doubles will take him a little bit more time just because the way it's played isn't quite as similar as, as tennis doubles. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. But man, you guys you guys dug for that. Yeah. Oh <laughs> boy. So next one, what is your favorite music genre? Oh you know, I'm probably in the minority here being in Jersey, but I'd have to say country. Country nice. is one. There yeah, I moved are. out here and quickly realized that's not a fan favorite out in <laughs> out in New Jersey, or at least in North Jersey. Um and I, I noticed the country restaurant and uh I'll say just restaurant scene um, is quite limited out in this area as opposed to Nebraska and Montana. So it's definitely something I've had to get used to. Uh, But yeah, I'd have to say country. Nice. Okay. What is your favorite major championship to watch? Um, Probably they're all fairly similar. Mm -hmm. I really don't say I have a preference. I think, Going, you know, when I moved here, the first thing I wanted to do was go see the U.S. Open. Yeah. I was like, I'm, I'm finally close. I did that the very first year I was here. Um, that's an absolutely amazing mm-hmm. event to see. Honestly, as far as all pro sports, it's, uh, you know, I'm not a master of all the sports, but I would say it's arguably one of the biggest bang for your buck oh, yeah. sports to go watch because mm-hmm. you pay, especially like the first week or two, I think it's like $100 to get or 150 to get in, and you can watch any match that's on any of the courts. Right. And oh, wow. Granted, like, it doesn't get you into Arthur Ashe Stadium to watch the number one player, 
but you can watch quote unquote some Joe Schmo, which is 40th best in the world, yeah. play you know 50th best in the world, and as long as you show up 15 minutes early, you've got like front row seats. Right. So like that's something that in any other sport you're paying top dollar to see. Right. Um, so it's phenomenal as far as the bang for a buck. You know, being able to watch match after match, going and walking around um, the the area there and, and seeing. Uh, you know Arthur Ashe Stadium and, and and seeing the you know you know the grounds of the U.S. Yeah. Open, the French is is one on TV is probably slightly more enjoyable to watch just because with tennis the clay slows down the ball speed a little bit uh-huh. so points tend to be a little bit longer, um, which kind of leads to more exciting points. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Wimbledon is played on grass, those points yeah. generally are much faster. Right. So that that one even though it's known kind of as the more most prestigious one mm-hmm. i'm not a crazy fan to watch just because the points don't build like they do on the clay court right um but then lastly like if there's anyone that i'd want to see in person that i haven't seen obviously already being at the u.s mm-hmm. open would probably be the australian open yeah just because i mean it's in australia need to say of more course. like <laughs> of course uh who has been your biggest mentor during your coaching career oh that's, that's a good question I would say I wouldn't say really one person in particular. I would say just being able to see when I was in college I had two separate coaches very different mm-hmm. coming here seeing the two coaches I worked under very different. Um so I would say being able to see all four if anyone I would say the previous coach Kevin mm-hmm. um just because something that he was phenomenal at was um kind of the organizational parts he was you know the the one thing that i my brain goes a million miles a second sometimes much you know my mouth goes faster than my brain too which is even a scarier thing um but something that he was very good at was you know the way that he was able to speak Mm he's an excellent speaker very well organized i mean he was a club director before and i think now actually is a club director Mm -hmm. at a club down in princeton area um and just the way that he's able to organize all of his thoughts you know when i came in he did a phenomenal job of like it was the most tidy organizational space i'd ever seen and i'm sorry kevin the office is no longer at all clean the way that it was but he had you know all the hotel reservations stacked he had all of our matches and the refs that we're going to be having stacked in order Mm -hmm. um so that is part of the organizational piece that i'm always trying to improve upon um Mm -hmm. once it goes on court you know the the drive to win is something that has always come naturally. Like I, I'm always competitive in literally anything possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where, you know, something that I'm always working on is organize, organizing my thoughts and putting them all on paper. And, and he, he does a phenomenal job of it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Last one for me, describe your coaching style in one word. <sighs> coaching style in one word. Oh gosh, one word. That's tough. Mm-hmm. Um I'd like to say intelligent. Um you know, just going back to kind of the outsmarting. I know now I'm saying more than one words. Apologize for breaking the rules, but um yeah, I would say kind of intelligent. It's just, you know, I love there's nothing I love better than whether it be me or my girls when they're on court and statistically we should not win the match but we end up getting an upset. Like mm-hmm. there is nothing that I, that is 
the pinnacle of what I love in sports is is going out there. And in tennis, we have a stat system that, that shows you know what players expected to win, and mm-hmm. it's similar in other sports as well. Um, but in tennis, it's a fairly accurate number. Um, so to see a girl you know one of our girls upset another girl because she played a smarter game Mm -hmm. and played and was the more intelligent player on the court is fantastic like that's the pinnacle of what i love to see Mm -hmm. amazing that will do it for me yeah all good you have anything else to add before i I don't i i got nothing awesome (laughs) hey i appreciate you guys uh having me on of course uh, course. i know it's 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 a long day for you guys but i appreciate you having me out here no that's we enjoy it yeah every minute of it that'll be good so i think that'll do it from us yeah thank you again for coming on taking time out of your schedule to do this uh we really appreciate it here and uh hopefully all the listeners appreciate and get some advice and insight that you offer today so thank you yes thank you so much guys appreciate it yes thank you so much coach ensler that will do it from us here on this latest edition of the coaching carousel